Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 626 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on this week's show, we've got music from George Windsor. I was having a chat with him about his latest work. We'll be hearing from personal trainer Marius about how you can get yourself in shape and use your diet to your advantage. Christopher Commander lets us know about Bard in the Yard, a brand new experience which can be with a bit of audience interaction bringing some fantastic Shakespearean style work to the yard near you. Uh, on top of that, Dr Sarah Jarvis will be along. We'll be hearing from her all about the current situation with the coronavirus pandemic. And we're talking to Lazar Vukovic all about his Boise in Belgrade documentary. That's all coming up on the show this week. <laughs> From Wednesday through to Friday, the 23rd to the 25th of June, it's a new event at the Malvern Three Counties Showground. It is their Midsummer Garden Life Festival. Obviously, everything's been a little bit different over the last 12 months. This is a great way of getting us back into our gardens with some wonderful ideas. To tell us more, I'm joined now by the head of shows and commercial at Three Counties. It's Chris Eldridge. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi, Jason. So obviously you guys must be excited to be getting back to, to normal again. I know you ran a few events uh, in the run up to Christmas last year. It's obviously been a bit quiet since then. So uh, what is going on? Well, we're so pleased to be able to put on some events this year. As you said, we did a couple of trial events last summer and we had our winter glow at Christmas. But this is our, our second event. We did a, a small dog-tastic event last week, which went really well, despite the hot weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is really getting back to normal with a, with a fantastic um, celebration of summer solstice. Um, it will be a brand new event for us, our Midsummer Garden Life Festival. And it's really a combination of everything's great about going on holiday and enjoying the sun. Yeah, because, I mean, you'll be able to get a flavour of some of the fantastic sites across the UK. But equally, we're heading further afield too, but staying in Malvern. Absolutely, definitely. So we, our creative team have, have done a fantastic job with this event. So we've got a combination of British, Mediterranean and exotic Caribbean experiences. So you can bring your bucket and spade. We're going to have a beach and um, it'll be like being on holiday without taking a passport. I like the idea. So you do tea rooms and Mediterranean fields, a bits of it. Um, there's some rather exotic retreats too. And, and all that alongside the chance to not only see, but buy some great stuff for our gardens and start to get them into 2021 shape. So we've got some uh, lovely new things to enjoy during the summer months here. Uh, but equally, it's, it's about not only you know, the purchasing, but the ideas too. And, and that's one of the things I love coming to Morgan for, whether it's some of the RHS shows that you have or the three counties. There's always something that is going to inspire you. Absolutely. It, 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 yeah, we want people to have a fantastic experience, but it's also about inspiration. It's, it's looking at that creative content, those ideas. And we've got a fantastic lineup of um, really first class nurseries. We've got over 30 um, coming to this show in particular. And as you said, it's a combination of food, music, uh, poetry and live entertainment. All of that, you say, the live entertainment is going to be on a floral bandstand now. Somebody's obviously been out with their daisy chains or maybe a little bit more. Absolutely, definitely. It's, it's, it's that combination. We want to have that festive feel to this event and it's about time we could get outside and actually enjoy and, and celebrate British summer. A celebration of summer, a celebration of fun 
and all done in a fantastic socially distanced way, keeping us safe and following the current guidelines. Because when you put this event together, we weren't sure where things were going to be. So you prepared for exactly where we are now. Absolutely. You know, we, we were planning this back in January, February. And, you know, it's at the moment, it's, it's, it's difficult just to look one week ahead, never mind months ahead. And it made sense to us to build uh, this programme around the May the 17th restrictions. So we are limited to 4,000 people per day. Um, it's over a larger footprint, so we can allow social distancing as we've all been doing. Um, but it's really about people being able to relax, enjoy being out in the outdoors and feel safe at the same time. Yeah, and with the glorious fresh air and the views of the Malvern Hills around you, you've got absolutely everything. So it's going to be a, a fantastic event, always well organised. I, I, every show I've been down there to, uh, it's it's absolutely you know, absolutely spot on when it comes to the stewarding and everything. And again, that's going to continue. And it's, there's even more focus on it from everybody uh, due to the uh, the COVID restrictions that are still in place. Um, but um, everything from the, the, the food courts through to what we see on display, all of it, I say, an inspiring way of spending our time. Yeah, totally. As I say, we just want people to come out, have a day out, enjoy themselves. You know, we've been stuck at home far too long and, you know, we're almost out of this. And, and this is a fantastic opportunity for people to come along and just be in a joy themselves. And as I say, 4,000 people are allowed in each day. Uh, advanced tickets are advised, but not essential. There will be some availability on the gates. Uh, so how do people get their tickets in advance, which they can do right the way through until 9pm on Tuesday? That's right, definitely. So, so to ensure access, we'd, we'd recommend obviously buying an advanced ticket. Um, and there will be ticket sales on the gate. Advanced tickets are available through the website as normal. Um, as I said, we will be um, monitoring um, numbers on the day and we won't be going over that 4,000 limit. So if you really do want to come along, then we definitely recommend going for an advanced ticket now. So threecounties.co.uk. Tickets are priced at around 22.50 for general admission. Uh, under fives are free, but a ticket is still required because you need to count them in. So you do need to book a free ticket or obtain a free ticket on the gate if you bring in the kids who are under five. That's correct. Yes, please. Yeah, it's important. Obviously, we keep control of those numbers. And I just wanted to say, you know, we're working over a 90 acre site. So we've got plenty of space to, to spread the event out so people won't feel um, close to one another. And as I said, we can keep the social distancing in place and let people enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's an extra 150 if you are paying on the gate. It comes out at £24. So take all that into account. Book yourself in advance and know you've got your tickets ready to come along to what is going to be an absolutely fantastic event. And we've always get a load of people not only travelling from the uh, the Wolverhampton and Midlands area, this bit of it, rather than the three counties down there. But equally, uh, you've got suppliers who come from our area too. So it's, it is all about supporting local and certainly within our region, whoever it is that you're buying from down there. Oh, absolutely. You know, everybody's all businesses have had to adapt over the last 18 months and it's about survival in the short term. And, and we're really in a position now to look to the future. We've, we've had some fantastic partners. Um, you know, we've got a great team of uh, permanent staff and temporary staff, and we do rely on volunteers as well. So, so this, this really is a great to be coming back to normal and running this event. Yeah, and they always have such a good community feel down there as well, and so many people and just enjoying being part of, of the event itself. And it's such a, a wonderful showground too. Uh, so it is the three counties, threecounties.co.uk for more information on all the forthcoming events and to get your tickets in advance to make sure that you are on the list for the Wednesday the 23rd, Thursday the 24th and Friday the 25th, a three-day Midsummer Garden Life Festival that's going to be uh, hopefully a, a regular on the calendar because I think there'll be room for it just about. You'll have to squeeze 
in in future years too. Absolutely. No, we're looking forward to welcoming people back to the showground. Oh, Chris, it will be absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to joining you down there for uh, the uh, the Wednesday itself and uh, seeing all that you have to offer. Chris Eldridge from Three Candy Showground. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Christopher Commander is barred in the yard these days. You can actually book him to turn up and be a bard at an event. It is a solo show and it does have a fair amount of audience interaction too. He joins me now to explain it better than I did. Hello, sir. Hello. Bit more detail then. Uh, you, you love your Shakespeare. We know this from our previous conversations, but you're part of a big project, which is a national thing to bring bards to the yard. Yeah, sorry, it was my Shakespeare showing. I apologise, I'll, I'll push it away. Um, yes, so as you said, it is a one-person show, um, a one-person full-length performance uh, that is brought straight to your door. So anywhere on this blessed isle that you live, you can book a bard and one of us will show up at your house. You'll you'll know who we are before you, before, you know. <laughs> before we show up. The rough will kind of give the game away, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A random person dressed as, as Shakespeare comes to your home. And um, so, so the premise is, is fairly simple um, in, in, in glorious simplicity. Um, it's the early 1600s. There's a new king on the throne, King James I, and, and plague is running rampant. Sound familiar? <laughs> and... Uh, the new king is demanding a new play from the bard. But Master William Shakespeare is, is stuck for inspiration. He's trying to write a comedy in these times of plague. And uh, there's, some, there's certain threats that the king is hanging, holding over his head. Heads on spikes, basically. <laughs> uh, tried to make a pun. Couldn't figure one out. And... Uh, and also, he might withdraw his patronage from Shakespeare's company. So, Shakespeare has come to you for your help. He needs your help writing this new play. And that's one of the best parts of this show, is this show doesn't work without an audience. Um, it, is, it, is, it is based in the fact that Shakespeare requires an audience. Um, it's based in the fact that, that when it comes down to it, this show is truly about rekindling that connection that we have as human beings. Um, that's part of the, the brilliance of this show. Uh, Victoria Baumgartner wrote this piece, who is also our director, a wonderful human being. And she's written this piece that connects with all of us on, 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 so, many different, on so many different levels. Us as creatives, uh, as actors, because there are as many bonds as there are places, you can, you can get one of us into your town. Um, it means that uh, we connect as actors and creatives with the show in, in different unique sort of ways uh, because of how well Victoria's written it. And um, so will an audience. An audience can see it an infinite amount of times and, and connect to it in different ways. Um, and that's a credit to the wonderful people, your wonderful actors working, myself included. <laughs> and... Uh, but also mostly a credit to Victoria's writing. And it's, um, it's a piece that is, shows William Shakespeare's life, uh, 
how he is right now. It's before he retires, so he has a, a reasonably successful repertoire, if he doesn't mind saying so himself. And um, as I said, he's stuck for inspiration, so he needs your help, so he's come to you. Um, but it's more than that. It's, it's a story about love and grief and all of the stuff that we are dealing with in our current time of plague. And it resonates in, in such a unique way with the situation right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's, ju it's just a wonderful piece of theater. It's mostly contemporary writing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, uh, so for the lay audience who isn't so familiar with Shakespeare, it's not going to be jarring for them. You don't have to be scared of Shakespeare to see this show. Um, and then dotted throughout the play, there are Shakespeare pieces which are interwoven into the narrative of, of what's happening on stage with you. And uh, it starts with audience participation. Um, the show will not be what it is without without you. But, but not uh, that sort of audience participation which puts people off, the sort where you feel that you've contributed, not the bit where you feel humiliated. It is, it is oh, fun no, 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 no. It's, yeah, it's audience interaction rather than participation. Mm -hmm. um, you get to sit in the comfort of your grass uh, and, and we get to be up on stage dealing with the heat of the audience. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's a collaborative piece. It really is a collaborative piece between the actor and the audience, as any show really should be. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh it's 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 so well crafted and uh it's it's also just a lot of fun to perform but it's one that's going to test you as a performer people. because every time you do this it, number one it's going to be different number two you have a different type of interaction because the audience i'm not trying to put you off but it's going to be a different type of interaction because the audience is going to interact differently uh you're going to be in an entirely different venue so you don't know where anything is not even the toilets uh and uh, you know you, you're going to be really pushed to the limit and the thing is I know you've been through a, a rigorous selection process for this, and each of the bards are fully trained, fully versed, and ready for whatever the audience throws at them. Yes, and that's an interesting part of this, is because it's in person, uh, with guidelines all you know, being respected, mm -hmm. um, the whole process of this show being put together, this started last year, Victoria wrote another play, because legend has it that during those early times of plague, like the early 1600 plagues, um, bouts of plague. When they were just uh, starting out with plague, they really hadn't got the hang of plague at that point, had they? Yeah, yeah, the plague um, comes and goes. And legend has it that, that Shakespeare wrote uh, some of his best work during plague, uh, one of them being King Lear, one of them being Macbeth, and a few others are attributed around that time period. Um, and you can feel that in this play without giving anything away. Um, I want to keep the surprise. I want to keep the yeah, element you, you of absolutely, anticipation. Yeah, you, no spoilers. It may be, no 500, spoilers, it might no be 500 years since the, the, the area this is based around happened, but no spoilers. It's, not, it's too soon. It's too, too soon. Too soon. So, but the interesting thing about it is how it connects in such a contemporary way to obviously what we're dealing with now. And that's what Victoria wanted to, to highlight. Um, and, and what better way than to connect with us as human beings than from through the eyes of the, 
the man who wrote about the human condition so well all those years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it's still relevant to this day. It always will be relevant. And the creative process for this show has been such a crazy experience. I mean, we, we've been rehearsing it for months now through this medium. Um, and we're all rehearsing the same part. I've never been in a rehearsal space quite like it. And I think we as creatives and actors and, and, and Victoria directing us and, and all of the creatives involved in creating this piece, um, we, we also miss the process. We miss being in a room with each other. Um, and only a, f a couple of weeks ago did some of us meet for the first time, which was crazy bizarre because we'd had all these emotional experiences and shared, uh, and shared moments while rehearsing, but we'd never met. So there was a crazy moment where we were all kind of in an actual room together and going, I know you so well, but I've never met you. <laughs> and it feels like that's a weird sort of allegory for what we're dealing with in the world and currently and still and however long, you know, we're restrictions and whatnot. Um, but it is, this show is so well grounded in, in, in what's happening right now. Um, that it brings up other questions like for instance romeo and juliet uh a plague on both your houses that line will never mean the same anymore we have such a contemporary grasp on on how powerful those words would have been back then mm -hmm. and how and how powerful they are now um that that the story that this version of the bond that you will be seeing um I think will resonate with you and audiences in, in a way that is unexpected. Uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry, um, uh, you'll be happy. Um, and, and you'll be on this journey with Shakespeare together, which is, uh, it's, it's just a, it's just a beautiful piece of theater. See, it sounds like the sort of thing I enjoy because you come, you'll come out or away or whatever, however we describe leaving the venue that you've selected to have this performed in when you've booked your bard. Uh, and you, you will have that sort of warm, sort of fuzzy theatered feeling where you know that you've been arted at. Exactly. No. Yeah. So, so imagine, imagine Deliveroo for theater. Um, <laughs> uh, you get a unique theater experience almost tailored to wherever you are on this blessed isle. But so uh, it, it already sounds amazing. I, we know that you're a fantastic performer, so it's going to work. Okay. Um, it, it, it's true. It's annoyingly true. Um, so you. Uh, if you. So if you want to book a bard, what do you do? Because you say there are bards all over the place. So wherever you're watching this, there's a, there's a local bard. So however... There is a local bard. However restrictions, your precautions tie things down, you can get a bard pretty blooming close. Yes, you can get a bard to your humble and odious orchard. Uh, you can get a bard to your yard, wherever you may be. And to do that, all you have to do is go on to www.bardintheyard.co.uk. And then you go on to book a bard. And then there's a, there's a form that you fill out. And basically what will happen is once you've filled out that form is uh, the production team will be in contact with you. Um, and which, by the way, helped this run so smoothly. We literally couldn't do this without them. And you fill out the form. You get sent which bard will be sent to you. And we will get sent who we are going to. Um, so the same sort of thing about Uber. 
<laughs> you get sent you get sent who your bards are going to be who's going to be driving the show and um also so you know who's going to be showing up at your house and yeah so wherever you are bard in the uk and book a bard and it might be me yeah i might show up at your house mm-hmm. midlands based uh, bard uh you you say if you're sort of sort of covering uh, east east and west midlands aren't you really yes there are stratford bards as well um, we all have our sort of dominions, mm-hmm. domains, domains, we, dominions. Domain, domain works. I think that's, that's what it used to be before the internet stole that word. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, you'll be, you'll be sent someone and obviously it will depend on our um, uh, availability. But for the most part, if you're in the Midlands and, and you're thinking of booking a bond, uh, you might see this face. Uh, you might see my, my, my will is very excited to meet you. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, it's it's just very exciting. It's good to be doing theatre again. It, it sounds absolutely amazing. And this could be a, a, a garden party, uh, a school, church, theatre, mosque, you know, gudwara event that uh, you want to have and have a bit of bard at it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm already completely convinced. So uh, the web address is bardintheyard.co.uk. Book a bard. Can you express a preference for a bard or do you need to uh, see, see availability? There's a bit that you can do notes. So if you, if you specifically want me, it will, come, uh, it will come through the production team. And if I'm sort of aware of who you are, if you send me a personal message, um, there's a chance that, that you'll most likely get me. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, you re- if you really want me to come to your house, I'm mm-hmm. sure we can make it happen. So all the cost and details are available online. You can find out all the details there. And you can enjoy some fantastic bard-shaped fun in the comfort of your own personal surroundings and uh, be socially distanced from those that you need to be and close enough to the ones you love. So it sounds like it's an amazing way of doing it. Chris, great to speak to you. And uh, if people want to find out more about just you, what are your details? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Christopher Commander. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Christopher Commander. Um, currently posting a lot of Bard in the Yard stuff. So if you want to see a, a, like behind the scenes stuff, you can follow Bard in the Yard on Instagram as well. And um, But yeah, you can find me on most socials by just searching Christopher Commander. You'll see me um, uh, either dressed as Shakespeare or um, it'll just be my face. You'll, you'll know. It'll, it'll be me. That, that, that face could be there. Uh, Chris, always a treat to speak to you. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to uh, maybe seeing you being a bard somewhere near us soon. Please, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. A gentleman who's normally very, very busy with his music and always has something exciting going on is George Windsor, who joins me now for a bit of a catch-up. Hello, mate. Hello, thank you for uh, inviting me back on. Well, it's always good to talk to you, and there's always loads going on, and although we haven't got a brand new song to play at the moment, there's shed loads in the pipeline. There is absolutely... Do you know what? It's it's quite funny, because I was... Um, not last night, the night before, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, what have I got going on at the moment? And then I was like, there's quite a lot, actually. But then <laughs> everyone was like, but where's the track? And I was just like, yeah, I know, it's coming, it's coming, don't worry. But yeah surprising okay so so what are you working on what's the order of things um so we're writing an album um i've been writing an album for the past year um but we have got new music coming out in september Mm -hmm. so we're actually giving a month now i can't give a date but i can give you a month um so yeah we've literally just been writing 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 i've stayed really low um off social medias and stuff because there's nothing worse than being distracted 
and I'm the very best at being easily distracted. <laughs> I know. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it is important to keep that focus, so, uh, particularly when, when you, if you're writing songs and, and being part of the, that creative process, you're you know, sort of coming up with ideas and I want to bounce things around and don't want to be swayed necessarily by what's there because you want it all to be your own stuff. But equally, you do some wonderful covers too and, and how is it going to balance out for the album, do you think? Well, I think there's going to be a couple of covers on the album, maybe one, um, I think because people just love love seeing a different side to a song that they've either grown up with or known all their life they like seeing that different side um so i think we're going to be putting maybe one in there but i have deliberately steered away from covers because i get so self-absorbed in that that song and that artist i then really struggle to write my own stuff because mm -hmm. it's like i've got such baggage from their issues or whatever they're talking about in the song I, I literally it's just like a reflection of what they've already wrote sometimes so you have to be really firm jason being an artist it's such a hard <laughs> job <laughs> but i mean you, you put passion into all of this and i say that's that's where that's born from though isn't it because you are picking up on the feelings and emotions because that is what music does to us and that's i mean you've lived your life through music i have literally eat breathe i'm not even gonna say the rest but music yeah <laughs> um yeah so it's it's just crazy, but I'm just really grateful for where everything's taken me at the moment because in lockdown 1.0, as I call it, everything was really quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, you know, every, I was getting the lockdown fever, which everyone was getting, but um, I was, you know, not really moving anywhere artistically. So in lockdown 2.0, it was fantastic because I was just, I was just getting all this inspiration um i'm going back out to the states towards the end of the year to record as well um there's just so much going on jason mm -hmm. i literally i just this i could talk to you about so much well see i know, I know the us link is strong because uh, a lot of the management team are working out of there and it, it's uh, about I mean, sometimes you as a product, which is weird because we know you as you, but you're very much something which is a saleable commodity to the guys over in the US who just want to really keep pushing your career. They love the fact that my, my name is George Windsor and <laughs> it's my real name. They like that, you know, and do you know, I love my American fans because they are so loyal. Mm -hmm. I can't, I cannot explain how loyal they are. I mean, ever since The Crown was out on Netflix, you know, my ranking's gone straight up, you know. <laughs> they're like, oh my God, your real name's George Windsor. Are you related? And I'd just say, no, I'm not. But, you know, it would be great. But yeah, America, they're just, they're just, I can't even explain. The love that they, they give me, it's just, it's just beautiful. I love them so much. And how do you feel the difference is between when you're touring over there and, and performing over here too? Because, I mean, we, we've seen you play on stages of 30,000 plus. That is your staple. But still, you know, it, it's it's a different kind of interaction very often with the way they react in the US. Yes. So the US, they, um, they, they're wild. They're absolutely wild. They literally, as, as soon as I... I've, I've done quite a few shows in America... Um, not last year, but the year before. It's been a while. Um, they are just, as soon as they mention my name, it's just like, oh my God, what's he going to do now? What's he going to do this time? And I love the anticipation and the excitement and the build up to the shows because they'll tweet me. Um, that they'll, they'll get involved, you know, via my socials. Whereas in England, that doesn't tend to happen. It's quite the opposite. It's more when you're there at the gig they tend to go, you know, a bit crazy, you know, the, the very jumping, screaming, whatever they want to do. But I don't, I, I don't know, it's 
different vibes between the US and the UK. Um, well, it's good vibes. Everyone's got their own different different ways of showing their support, haven't they? But it all turns into to, to people picking up merch and uh, all of the, uh, the the streams and the like that come with that. And yeah. it's all about yeah, you enjoying the music and getting your take on songs that they've known before and also enjoying your original stuff too. And how is the songwriting team coming together? Are you collaborating at the minute? Yeah, so um, I have a team of people that I work with because I love writing on my own, but it's just sometimes you get stuck and it's just like, no, we're not moving forward. And then sometimes that song could be scrapped and that's such a waste. So I tend to bring people in when, um, you know, things aren't going so smoothly and I need the backup. So I'm currently working with um, a couple of songwriters that I'm really close with, Benji, Eve. They're, they're really, really good friends of mine and they're super talented. So, so talented. They literally blow people out of the water. They have been, you know, back and forth with me, listening to how I'm feeling, because it's not just about writing a hit song. You know, as an artist, it's about taking your feelings into account. How can you, you know, put your message out there so that people can apply it to their own experiences without it being too generic or too specific? Or, you know, you've got to find the balance, but at the same time, not trying to people please, getting your feelings out there as well. Mm -hmm. So, Benji and Eve, when they're with me and, you know, I can come into the studio either really angry, really upset or really happy, you know, they take advantage of that energy with me. We write it down and then we come up with usually something amazing. So it's great. Well, I mean, that work continues. And obviously, I know as we head towards more freedoms, there'll be more gigs that you'll be performing. Have you got much lined up at the moment or is it you really wait until you can see that the capacities come back to normal? I've been um, rehearsing. So I actually went back into the rehearsal studios about a month ago and mm. that was a little bit surreal. My voice took an absolute battering <laughs> and I was like, my vocal coach was like, she called me, she said, Christ, you sound hoarse. You must have enjoyed today. I went, yeah, nothing to do with the screaming, the shouting, the excitement, just, you know, perfect technique. She went, rolled her eyes. She was like, yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, we've got loads, um, loads of, you know, writing sessions coming up. But touring, that I think is going to start, um, I think, February. Mm -hmm. We've got some dates for February. Um, yeah, you've got the work on the album to do at the moment. We really probably haven't got time to be out there enjoying yourself. <laughs> we're, we're starting in Wales, actually. Yeah. So. I am um, I'm really excited to go down Wales because again they are just crazy some specific areas mm. I find have their crazy people and Wales that yeah that they, they just really lighten lighten the mood should I say well, that, that's going to be uh, absolutely awesome in itself. Right, now, I, I think we should take a track. I know we've got nothing that's, uh, that's, that's, that's sparkly and new, but what have you got that's a favourite from uh, recent releases that you'd like us to give a bit of a spin to now? Well, I, I've been doing a lot of TikTok covers, as you've seen. So mm -hmm. I think at the moment, my TikTok channel, that's kind of, you know, the thing that I'm uh, spending a little bit more time on. Um, and there's loads of covers on there. There's stuff like Pat Benatar, there's you know the bowie stuff there's the rag and bone man stuff there's loads of different things um 
But if you're going to play a track, I'd absolutely play the Tainted Love track. Okay, we will do that. Meanwhile, though, we need details of all the socials, including the TikTok, so people can track you down, keep following what's going on, and be ready for when it really does all start big time once that uh, single's released in September. All my socials are at I'm George Windsor. I am George Windsor. So you can get the details, the information, the updates, and the outfits, and everything else there. It (laughs) will be an absolute treat. George, you're a star. I will talk to you just ahead of the single release if that's okay with you absolutely you'll be one of the first to get a, get the preview Jason I'll be looking forward to it see you soon have fun and keep thank writing you. thank you so much sometimes I feel I've got to run away I've got to get away from the pain that you drive into the heart of me the love we share seems to go nowhere my light for I toss and turn I can't sleep at night once I ran to you now I'll run from you this tainted love you've given I give you all the boy could give you take my tears and that's not professional working throughout the Midlands is Marius, who joins me now, for a bit of a chat to talk about health and nutrition. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. So tell me a bit about your background and what you get up to these days. I've been involved in the fitness and uh, sport in the last 12 years. I've started to uh, pay attention to this because of the fact when I was in school, people used to laugh on me 
Mm-hmm. I used to be overweight. And uh, that kind of like uh, put me into a position where I start thinking about what I want to do. And, and that I wanted to change people's opinion. And then I just started to do some um, bodyweight workouts home and uh, a basic, you know, a few, a few workouts with gymnastics, something, something really simple. And then I've noticed a few changes in, I think, in the first two years. Mm-hmm. I've noticed um, a big improvement, not just in the way I look, but as well, uh, those opinions were gone in terms of negativity, in terms of, of pointing the f- fingers towards me. And then I thought to myself, this actually helped me, and uh, I don't think I'm going to let it go. Now, I mean, you, you don't have a typical Midlands accent. I know you live over in Warsaw. Uh, so uh, how, what brings you to, to the region itself? After I finished my exams and high school in Romania, right, uh, I decided to do something different. Mm-hmm. And um, I have family living in Scandinavia, which is Sweden, mm-hmm. right? And I decided to jump into the unknown and then go with them. Uh, they obviously bought a house and uh, they requested my help in terms of renovating, in terms of doing the housework. And I said, why not? And in the same time, I decided, let's say, let's try to adapt here. Let's try to start something here and grow my fitness potential and let's see where this can get. Unfortunately, the area and uh, the fact that um, we're so limited when it comes to jobs, when it comes to uh, possibilities to start up, even though Sweden is absolutely a phenomenal country, mm-hmm. uh, it was like a dead end for me. And then I had a few friends in the UK, right? And then having a chat with them, uh, speaking about fitness, speaking about possibilities, studying uh, opportunities, they said, your English is really good. Um, you studied for how, how many years? I said, probably like 10 in Romania. And I said, okay, that's great. Uh, what about community in the UK by yourself on your uh, on your own at 19 uh, to grow your fitness potential on here? And I said, yes, why not? And so when I was 19, three years ago, I literally came for the first time in, in the UK. And just because my English is probably very good because I've studied it, just the accent is the thing that I'm trying to adapt. Mm-hmm. So that's the background. I'm sure it, it's not an issue. So your English is absolutely fantastic. And uh, for anybody who can speak a second angli- a language as well as you speak that, I, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, it's not going to be any communication barrier at all when it comes to working with clients. And you're working with a number of people, not only in your local gyms here in the Midlands, but also further afield to the work that you do on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I know you like to share inspirational messages and quotes and, and conversations. And uh, although you say you, you were picked on for your weight when you were young, Younger, uh, you know, no one should ever feel bad about themselves, whatever way they are. But the goal is to be as fit and healthy as possible, and that will make you feel good in yourself. Exactly. So, uh, where do you go from from here, and how do you work with a client? What 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 do people do if they're trying to find you? Well, the first thing that I'm doing is trying to see exactly what that person are, what, what that person is, in terms of um, in terms of pain, in terms of um, you know limiting beliefs in terms of knowledge in terms of goals Mm -hmm. and from that position i'm trying to adjust i'm trying to uh indicate i'm trying to pre-frame a program i'm trying to uh make them not just feel served but as well i want them to give the i want to i want to give them the knowledge and the fact that they don't have to give up on the things that they love in order to look exactly how they want to look like Mm -hmm. when it comes to a healthy 
uh, life, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to a good nutrition, it's all about balance. And so we all have things that we love, even though they're not healthy. Like, look, for example, last night I had my chicken meal, right? I had some fries. I had a burger, which means this is not like in terms of commitment to my goal and in terms of looking at the fact that I want to compete in bodybuilding, that's not going to help at all. But I always pay attention to making sure I have a balance in terms of good and bad. So when you're putting a program together with somebody, you'll allow them that sort of flexibility um, so they don't feel constrained by what they're doing, but we just feel they want to do the the good stuff with the, the fact that, yeah, you can be a little bit naughty sometimes and that will make you yeah, yeah, feel at one with who you are and what you want to do. So there's, there's, there's a lot of scope within a fitness program that you're putting together. And you're working out of mostly gyms in Warsaw as, as your home gym? I have... Um in my online uh, platform that I'm uh, that I'm coaching because I have people from two countries at the minute. One is Romania and one is Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took my parents as well inside the fitness program. They're doing absolutely incredible. I'm not just saying this because they are my parents, <laughs> but in terms of commitment, uh, I'm really happy with the, the progress that they have made. So I'm having clients in Romania in my only online coaching platform in Sweden and obviously in uh, Warsaw, which is the uh, in-person training. And uh, so you're, you're working with people there, and you can work throughout the Midlands as well. Uh, I know uh, that we've talked about other gyms that you've been able to use uh, at different sites, and uh, you keep track of the the local gym culture, don't you? And uh, keep in touch with uh, with many uh, yeah, of your of your colleagues who work in the same line of work. It's it's a good thing as a coach to be able to explore a little bit the gyms, not just in Warsaw, but probably nationwide. Um, if it's to give an example, probably Birmingham is going to be an area where the gyms are going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having the chance to network with such people, it gives you an opportunity, it gives you a boost, it gives you a plus, it, it comes with uh, something new, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We'll have to get you over here in Wolverhampton as well and check out what you uh, see going on there too. But to say, Warsaw is uh, your, your your normal base at the minute, but as, you, as you've said, you can work with anybody anywhere. And uh, is, how, how does it work if people do want to then get in touch? Do they, I take it they check you out on Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, exactly. That's going to be the easiest and the first thing that... In most of the cases, people are going to do. Like what I what I found is that uh, clients in general that I have never uh, spoke with before, usually they reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. Okay, so where do we find you on there? Uh, that's going to be literally my name. It's going to be Marius Iwanid. I O A N I D. So Marius Iwanid, and you can uh, check out. All that you've got going on, you've got some uh, fantastic videos I know on your Facebook page whereby you talk people through some basics just to get them sort of eager and keen, ready to start on uh, a, a programme that could change their life. Exactly. Thank you very much for that feedback, by the way. Oh, no problem at all. Marius, good to talk to you. Uh, I, think, I think we're threatening to meet up in real life so you can uh, show me how I should probably be working out, which I think is probably essential to the state of me at the minute. So uh, we'll do that in the coming weeks or months, and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more from you, also seeing your tips online. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. Thank you so much for this interview. It was absolutely incredible. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have any other questions. With the vaccine programme and the potential easing of restrictions moving out now into July, obviously we need to make sure that as many people are protected before we can go back to normal-ish day-to-day life. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr Sarah Jarvis. Hello. Pleasure as ever to be with you. Always good to talk to you. And uh, uh, nice to have a little bit of a, a catch-up surrounding some, some good news at the moment, as over-18s are now eligible to book their vaccine slots. Hurrah! 
And what's more, they have been booking in their droves. We had the most extraordinary sites when 25 to 20, 29 year olds were allowed to book their vaccines about 10 days or so ago. Mm-hmm. They had um, they, they described it as a Glastonbury style <laughs> situation on the website. Over half a million vaccines booked in five hours. It is extraordinary. My experience is that my patients are chomping at the bit, including the younger ones. And actually, there's there's really good national data coming out saying, you know, 90 percent of younger people recognize that actually this is not just for other people. Yes, of course, if you are over 18 and you have your vaccine, you are more doing your bit to protect the rest of society, to protect all of us, than you are to protect yourself because you are less likely to get seriously unwell. You are less likely to die. But even if you are younger, A, do not underestimate long COVID. At least a million people, in fact, well over a million people probably now have long COVID. And some of them are really, really debilitated by it. Mm -hmm. And secondly, If we are all going to get out of this and if we are going to break the link between infections and hospital admissions and deaths, we've all got to get vaccinated. And unfortunately, because the Delta variant is so much more transmissible, that means that more people need to be vaccinated in order to get us up to that crucial community immunity level. Yeah, and being vaccinated is important. Uh, but not too much of an inconvenience. Uh, after both after both my jabs, I did feel like hell for a day. My temperature went sky high and then calmed down. But that's just a, a tiny blip in, in your well, life compared to the potential uh, of spreading the virus. Here, here. And of course, not everyone's going to get that. No. My second vaccine, actually, I didn't know I got it. In fact, my husband and I were both in a vaccine trial um, before they were licensed. And neither of us knew which group we'd been on because we it was a placebo trial. And neither of us had any side effects from either of them. Turned out I'd had the placebo. He'd had the real thing. Neither of us had had any side effects at all. I had a bit of a sore arm after my first one, nothing after my second one. He had no side effects from either. Some people, yes, you get so-called reactogenicity. This is your body's immune system rushing to the spot. You may well, a lot of people will feel a bit grotty, but those side effects are usually mild, moderate, and they are usually gone within a day or two. So it's a, that, that is minor compared to the good that is being done. Oh. And we've spoken in the past about the minimal risk of uh, any kind of issue off the back of this. And we know that the, the risks are so low uh, that uh, it, 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 it's barely worth talking about. But the fact that we do talk oh. about it because we've been open and honest about the whole thing, it, it exactly. shouldn't put anybody off. Well, I think the point is that if you look at the size of the risk, we are talking about a risk of one in 100 thousand of this so-called CVT, which is this very rare blood clot. And that's why, for instance, that was seen with the AstraZeneca vaccine. And it's as a result of that out of, frankly, an abundance of caution. And purely because we have got alternative vaccines that anyone under the age of 40 isn't actually being offered that vaccine anyway. They are being offered the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccines. So, but, you know, to put that, that risk into perspective, even that risk, which of course has been identified because we have these really robust processes in place for looking at side effects. And we've now had hundreds of millions of doses given. So we know that we are going to get side effects reported, or we know we are going to get medical problems reported. And what we can then do is we can look at the issues that have been reported among people who've had the vaccine, compare them 
to how likely it is that those issues would be reported among people who hadn't had the vaccine and see whether it really is a side effect. And when you've got this number of people, then you can really work that out. Mm -hmm. a, a way of preventing problems and a way of allowing community to return to something like normal as well. And we, we, we're not quite all the way through the data yet that tells us whether the link between the, uh, the, the, the actual virus itself and hospitalisation and deaths uh, is, is clear. We know that the we're death not. figure hasn't gone up massively in recent weeks, but we're not past... It needs to be six to eight weeks before we get a, a better feeling isn't it? So yes, we are starting to get clear signs that the link between um, infections and hospitalizations is being very significantly weakened by vaccination. There is no question that vaccination is our way out of this pandemic. We know that two doses of AstraZeneca vaccine reduces your chance of hospitalization by about 92%, that two doses of Pfizer vaccination reduces your risk of hospitalization by about 96%. Just in the last day, we've had new data suggesting that one dose reduces it by about 75%. But, and here's the really important but, it does not get rid of it completely. And more importantly, the first dose is not as effective um, in terms of reducing the chance of you getting it. So you could still get it and pass it on, even though you would be less likely to be unwell. And that is why we all still need to be practicing hand space space and fresh air, because even though it's raining at the moment, at least it's fairly warm rain. Mm -hmm. And really importantly, in addition to the fact that everyone over the age of 18 can now book their first vaccine and they can go online to the NHS booking service or call 119 free of charge. But in addition, anyone over 40 who's had a first vaccine and is due a second one 12 weeks after their first, you can now go online and book your second vaccine at eight weeks rather than 12. And if you go onto the, book of the NHS website, you can see earlier appointments that are available before you cancel your original one. So you can uh, check all of that online. And I say the lateral flow test is our friend as well, because making sure we're getting tested uh, to see whether we yeah. have non-symptomatic uh, COVID or coronavirus uh, is, is, again, vitally important to, to make sure we can help fight it and avoid passing it on. It absolutely is. So we're encouraging everybody to continue to get lateral flow tests because, as you so rightly say, this is for people who don't have symptoms who otherwise would be out there, particularly because the Delta variant is 60% more transmissible. The lateral flow tests are not as effective as the PCR tests at identifying whether or not you were infected, but they are really pretty good at identifying whether you're infectious. So in other words, the people who are most infectious, we think about one in three people who have COVID don't have symptoms. And with Delta variant being more infectious, more transmissible, that means you could be spreading it to even more people. So please do get those lateral flow tests. You can book them um, for the, through the NHS website. You can pick them up from participating pharmacies. You can go to a test centre all of those things and that will reduce the risk of it being spread around the community yeah and uh, anything we can do to stop this moving about and uh, the self-isolation rules are still in place aren't they if you do get tested as positive yes they absolutely are they are looking at whether you might not have to self-isolate if you have been in contact if you have been double vaccinated that's not in place yet but interestingly they're doing a pilot at the moment to see how effective it is 
to because we know that two vaccinations provide such good protection against getting it. So what they're saying is it's possible that going forward, you may be able to do lateral flow tests every day rather than self-isolate, but not there yet. That is coming. So we'll see how that moves on. But this is all part of our uh, very much a roadmap out of the, the lockdown and everything that has been going on over the last what, nearly 18 months now. It's not, not far off all of that. And uh, so things have moved on so far. I mean, to, to have lateral flow tests that you can just have in your home and do and test on your own is just a, a, a brilliant way of, of, of having some sort of confidence you're not going to pass something on. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you end up in a surge area, in an area where they have high levels, then we do encourage people to get their PCR tests for free, whether they have symptoms or not, because that can allow testing to go on behind the scenes to get the genetic fingerprints what's happening with these cases we also of course encourage them to do all the other things everybody should be doing getting the vaccine when it's offered keeping two meters apart from people you can't, can't live don't live with if you if you possibly can trying to meet outdoors rather than indoors but in addition if you are in a, an area where they have high cases so um, in other words a high rate where they're doing surge testing then we encourage people to minimise travel, travel in and out of those areas. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And uh, what are all the details if people do want to pick up more information, of course, to get tested and to get uh, everything they need to know for the current status? The NHS website has everything you could possibly want to know. You can just do a Google search for NHS coronavirus testing, NHS coronavirus vaccine, all of those the first search that will come up will be the relevant one of those. And, of course, if you're not online, 119 is your number. 119. Yeah, simple it as that. absolutely is. Well, Sarah, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, I mean, I'm hoping to talk to you about something other than coronavirus in the not-too-distant <laughs> future. <laughs> one day. We, yeah, one we, day. we need to get through this, this whole situation first, but thanks again. Indeed. All right, all the best. Bye now. <laughs> Only Fools and Horses is apparently massive in Belgrade. Why is Serbia so keen on a fantastic, admittedly British comedy? To find out more, I'm joined now by the director of a documentary which takes Boise out and about in Belgrade, Zara Vukovic. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. So, uh, Boise, absolutely amazing character in Only Fools and Horses. John Chalice, who played him really knows how to bring a comedy role to life. Now, this all helps when it comes to the comedy transcending uh, language barriers and, of course, sometimes the, the translation that we get. So how does Only Fools work in Serbia? Is it uh, all translated or do we rely on the fact that most people outside the UK speak better English than we do? No, I mean, it's um, it's you'd be surprised, but it's one of the rare shows out there that's um, that's just subtitled. So... You know, everybody managed to learn English, I think, by watching the show. And <laughs> what's what's really amazing is how this show um, is still is. It's the number one uh, watched sitcom uh, in that part of the world. You know, the first time I went there, I must have been around 15 at the time. Yeah. I think it was 2001 or something like that. And the first English phrase I heard was lovely jubbly. <laughs> and I said to them, you know, I said, hold on a minute, you know, where, where did you learn that? And they said, oh, you know, we've got this, uh, we watch this TV show, they call it, they call it the translated title, which is Mujke, which, you know, it means only fools and horses, basically, or it means dodgy business, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just kind of, I uh, learned how, how popular it was in, in Serbia. I really couldn't believe it. 
So at which point did your family uh, head over to the UK from Serbia? Because you're, you're, you're British, sir, but you're, you're basically you know, the, 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 the British contingent in the family. Yeah, so my, um, my mother, God rest her soul, she came when she was only 12 to the UK because her father, my grandfather, uh, came to work in the steelworks. Um, and my father, there's a funny story behind it, but he met her by, you know, I guess your pen pals in the, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And so instead of emailing or messaging, it was it was old fashioned pen and paper and, and stamps. Um, and he my mum used to sing in a, in a church choir and he uh, seen her picture in a church magazine and kept writing and writing. She never replied. And uh, and my grandmother kind of twisted her arm and said, well, you know, out of courtesy, at least, you know, reply nicely. <laughs> um, and my father, you know, he got the the chance, the, the one reply back, and he, I guess he never looked back. In a few weeks' time, he was in a, well, not a few weeks' time, but within within a few months, he was in the UK with the wedding ring ready to propose. <laughs> when it comes down to families being, you know, displaced and uh, you know, coming to the UK for work, and you know, we're talking of a time here when, uh, you know, it, it would have been unusual to to head back regularly there weren't the flights if you if you went somewhere you were a migrant that was it you you were there and that and you didn't sort of head back regularly i suppose so it'd be you know you, you were probably kind of cut off from serbia you only had word of mouth when you were a kid initially to uh, to understand what the place was like yeah exactly um when i was um you know growing up of course you had the the terrible kind of times with the war and, mm-hmm. and a lot going on in the 90s um so you know, i was born in 86 so for most of the 90s I, I um the first time i went to serbia was yeah i was 15 years old and um so you know and, and you're right because pre-pandemic everyone's used to traveling every every weekend or every other week and we kind of took air travel as a as a necessity as opposed to a luxury it always was and tickets were were really expensive um but you know during the war i think this is why the show resonates so well because during that time though obviously there wasn't um trade wasn't working and uh, um there were sanctions on goods coming out of then yugoslavia um and only fools and horses it's it's all about trading isn't it <laughs> it's all about getting a good deal or i think at this point of people they would really want to get their hands on whatever they could and, and an amazingly good comedy show and when you then take one of those characters who is recognizable when he walks down the street in the air because john does enjoy being part of that of that show i know and uh, he, he very often shares it with the fans at events across the uk so uh, what was it like taking him to uh, a place elsewhere in europe where they probably knew his lines as well as he knew them from the show but couldn't necessarily have a conversation with him it, it was um it was surreal i mean um it, it was almost like taking well it was you taking you're taking an icon to to another part of the world um probably thinking he could blend in and uh in the sense of that people wouldn't recognize him but i remember us walking down the street and uh you know, people, Boise, Boise, as soon as one person caught in on all of a sudden we've got a crowd around us <laughs> and, uh, you know, they want they want a selfie with him, they want pictures with him, can you do the laugh, can you tell me this? And, and they're all speaking, you know, pretty good English to the, to the at least to the extent where uh, he understands them. But it's just one of those things, I guess, that, you know, once you're, you know, so famous for, for you know, for being an actor, for being in various roles, people, you know, you, it's, it's the public you can't hide from. So <laughs> it gave me it gave me a glimpse into life that 
you know, for these, as much as they say a lot of people enjoy fame and everything, it must be difficult, you know, just to be that normal person walking down the street. Nobody knows who you are or nothing about you. You can just kind of enjoy that privacy. Whereas um, I think it must be really hard for these celebrities. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is where being the director works uh, rather well, doesn't it? Well, yeah, you know, I can uh, take off the French beret and hide. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, did, did you pick up any used cars when you were over there to try and sell back on the UK market? I know it's a bit tricky swapping the steering wheels over, but there's got to be some money to be made there. Boise would be up for oh, that, they wouldn't sold, they? They, sold, they? They sold like hotcakes, you know. By the time Boise was finished with his uh, sales pattern, they didn't realise what side the steering wheels on. <laughs> but we got the sales in the end, so it was, it was a successful trip. Um, <laughs> We visited a, a motor museum, um, and I think it's one of the largest motor museums in, in Serbia, in Belgrade. And we, believe it or not, the yellow iconic Robin Reliant, Robert Reliant Regal was, was there, um, <laughs> you know, in, in all its glory. And we just thought, wow. Um, and we learned that the owner of the museum, he bought it for a, only a couple hundred quid, um, I think in the 80s or early 90s. Um, and they drove it all the way from from Peckham, <laughs> I guess, to, to Belgrade. <laughs> but an, an amazing story and, and one that you get to tell. You must be really pleased. I mean, how did, how did this actually come together? Because, you know, everything's kind of fallen into place here, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so my sister's a huge, huge fan of Only Falls and Horses and she managed to get some tickets for John's uh, one-man show mm-hmm. um, that was in Barton Seagrave. And... Uh, husband couldn't join her yet he he couldn't get the time off of work and neither could my uncle uh, although i was screaming out kind of you know what about me what about me she finally asked her little <laughs> brother you know do you want to come with me and i was like of course i want to come with you <laughs> um and boise you know john chalice was talking because he's called it's, i think his one man show is called only falls in boise and um during the show he did talk about how um his, the show is popular in belgrade etc etc so after the after the show, I just um, I asked him. I said, "John, look, how about um, we do a documentary out there?" Uh, but I guess the rest is history. You know, it was one of those things where it was a throwaway comment. I gave him my card. Um, I did tell him I was serious, and uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know, told him you know I've done some stuff before, or whatever. But he, you know, we 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 met up a week or so afterwards, um, discussed more details, and within I think within about two months of meeting meeting him we were we're in belgrade with a with a crew and we were recording this documentary it was quite surreal and was this before uh, all the covid lockdowns just before so we finished filming i think it was first or second of february um then we got back to the uk and literally within a month of being back in the uk everything was closed down so it almost makes me think that if because there was an option when we're talking about filming should we do it in the summer or should we do it now um and my train of thought is always if you're going to do something do it now. You know, that don't, moment, don't yeah. leave it till later. Yeah, because uh, otherwise we would still be sitting here thinking about, you know, doing it or whether we should do it or whatever. You know, we've, everybody's lost like almost eighteen months of their life in in lockdown. Yeah. Yep. And but, but you were over there. I mean, basically, he was treated by royalty, recognised everywhere he went, and th- this must have made it a, a, basically a good bit of a rider for you and the crew being out there. You must have had a great time being part of that sort of entourage. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I managed to open a lot of doors uh, in Belgrade that you know you couldn't you couldn't get into anyway. I guess I, I work one of one of my roles is um, I um, I chair the the charity of the 
Um, Her Royal Highness Crown Princess Catherine in the UK, and she does a lot of medical work and supports hospitals in Serbia. So we, you know, we managed to get him into the royal palace, <laughs> where not many people can get into, um, and give him a big eye opener to see what it was. And he really loved it. He was, uh, you know, John Chalice as John Chalice. He's an avid historian, mm-hmm. um, and just walking around this place, and also with this, there's some references in there about the nag's head and the king's room and things like that. Um, it's just great. So it was. It was just an experience, I think, you know, it's, um, yeah, it was just completely out of this world. One one part of me makes me think we wish we did a whole behind-the-scenes kind of um, footage because I think that would have been fantastic. Well, it sounds like an amazing documentary. It's available now on DVD and digital. And uh, is there a bit of history about this online as well? Have, have we got a great website that ties in with all this? Because I know the artwork for the the DVD is wonderful. Yeah, so um, the, the website is boiseandbelgrade.com, so you can watch it on Sky Store, Amazon, iTunes, and all that kind of stuff. So you're pretty much downloaded everywhere now. And if you were to be a character in Only Fools and Horses, which one would you be? I mean, do you, do you, do you want to be Boise now if you've lived his lifestyle? I think it was always him because you always kind of aspire, aspire to be better than the others, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you look at Del Boy and Rodney; and they always wanted to be better than Boise, but they never had the cash, did they? Um, so he was always kind of the the aspiring aristocrat, whereas there, and uh, you know, they're they're trying to make ends meet. Well, Boise in Belgrade tells some of that story as he heads around a city and a country that have loved Only Fools and Horses just as much as we have over the decades. And uh, it sounds like uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting journey for everybody who watches it and say some great stuff you've already given us some clues to. And there's so much more than that, isn't there? That's right, yeah. I mean, on, on Boise in Belgrade, we've even developed Boise's four king poker set. <laughs> so you can have your four kings and beat... Uh, anybody that shouldn't have four aces but that's another story okay watch the documentary and of course revise your only fools and horses to make sense of all of that but for now Lazar Vukovic thank you for joining us thank you very much well that's all for this week thank you so much for joining me back with episode 627 next week I'll see you then so up and out goodbye from the mill bar goodbye from the mill bar Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.